feel free to get up during the talk and get more donuts or uh, coffee. We are not above bribing you to be here, so we're glad that you're here and um, would love for you to take the opportunity to, you know, meet other people. That's one of the reasons that we have you sitting at different tables so that we can have some discussion time. And actually, over the next, this whole series, we're going to start kind of changing our format a little bit, try to be a little less talking head up front and a little more discussion-based around the tables. And that is for the sake of community. I think, I think uh, for those of us that have teenagers, it can be kind of isolating, right? That'd be a, a difficult time for us to connect with other parents. We're busy running kids everywhere all the time. And so... Uh, a lot of our parents who've taken advantage of this have really developed some, some good friendships in parent use. So we want you to do that. So uh, please feel free to, to sit at a table and, and interact with some people that are, that are here. So we are starting a new series today, um, and it's uh, basically hot topics. We're talking about some, some difficult areas uh, that we're going to be covering over the next few weeks through the month of February. And today we're kind of setting the ground rules for that. How do you have those conversations? Why do you need to have those conversations? So we're going to try to cover some things like uh, sexuality, transgender, homosexuality, uh, marijuana use, things like that. How, you know, how, do you, how do you have those conversations with your kids? And um, so that's where we're going. But today we kind of want to set the stage for that for the next few weeks. Um, and so probably you guys have all seen uh, a picture of, of a fish it's kind of going against the flow, right? I mean, I, I remember um, in the 80s when Christian t-shirts became like a thing. Uh, you go in the Christian bookstore, there was always a bumper sticker or a Christian t-shirt that had the fish going against the flow, right? I mean, it just, I, I pulled up the, on Google images and looked, and there was just tons of them, and it brought back memories, you know, of the, of the cheesy t-shirts that I used to wear all the time. And you think about this idea of going against the flow, and yet that is we are called to be countercultural. As Christians, we are called to go against the flow. And the, the world is speaking loud and clear to our kids all the time. And so how are we going to interact with that situation? We have in Romans 12, 12 2, a passage a lot of you will be familiar with. It says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so we are not supposed to conform to what the world is saying. We're supposed to be transformed. We're supposed to be different. We are supposed to go against the flow, right? And, and the word of God is supposed to inform how we view things, okay? Um, in First Peter 2.9, it says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. And if you take that one and the one in Deuteronomy 14.2, which says this, and this is from the old King James Version. I, lo- I, lo- I love this, and there's a reason I'm using that. He says, for thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself. Above all the nations that are upon the earth. I love that it says a peculiar people. Because when we go against the flow, when we are teaching things that are countercultural to our kids, we are going to stand out. They're going to be peculiar. They're going to be different. They are going to be 
the, the stands that we take are going to make them uh, kind of go. They're going to stick out, basically. And there's no real way to get around that. Um, so what does it mean to be different as a Christian? What does it mean? And, and we kind of, again, want to lay the ground rules for this. If I'm honest, I don't want my kids to suffer. Right? I don't want them to be different. I don't want their grade to suffer if they take a stand in class. There's a part of me that says, you know, maybe you should just be quiet. Don't write that paper. I mean, my daughter, I think, uh, in her first semester at college, wrote a paper that was all like, what was it, Ken? It was against abortion, or it was just this hardcore, I am a Christian, rah, you know. And I was like, ooh, wow, do you really want to go there uh, with that? And it turned out her professor was a Christian, and so she didn't pay a price for that paper. But if her professor had been different, that could have been a very different grade, right, that was going to happen. And so there's a part of me that doesn't, you know, that I, you want them to take these stands and so on, but I don't want them to suffer. I don't want, you don't want your career to suffer. If you're a Christian, you know, you don't want to make a choice that is going to cause you to lose money financially or not get the promotion or not get these things. And we don't want that to happen to our kids too, right? When, when your child goes to get a job, and we've just had this whole great series on the Sabbath, and they go to their employer and say, I can't work on Sunday. I mean, are they going to put that stake in the ground? And what are the consequences of that, right? There's a lot of places they're not going to be able to work. There's a reason all the Christian kids work at Chick-fil-A, right? It's, <laughs> it's Christian fast food, we know that, but they are closed on Sunday, and at least that is not a battle that you have to fight, okay? But when your kids do drama, like our oldest daughter, she had drama on Sunday, starting Sunday morning when there's a play coming up that week. Um, your kids, the sports, I mean, all of the stuff that the Sabbath brought up, right, is just huge, uh, especially if your kids are on any kind of travel team or sports. So if I'm honest, when I think about, about these stands, you know, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Chariots of Fire, right, the, the guy who runs and he won't run on Sunday, and it's an amazing movie. But I go, I don't know, I think I would have made an exception that day and run for the gold medal, if I'm honest. I mean, I'm just being, it, it's difficult to make these decisions and navigate this. So what, what is society's highest value? And I think it's good for us to think about that because this is what, the world is speaking through a bullhorn to our kids all the time. And society's highest value is that happiness is the ultimate goal. Their goal is to be happy. And in that pursuit, you know, how does that differ with what the Bible says for us? Does the Bible say that happiness is our ultimate goal? Well, if you look at the, the verses I just read, up in the, the Deuteronomy passage says, For you are a holy people, a nation, to the Lord your God. We are holy. We're called to be holy, not happy. That is going to automatically set us against the world's standards. We're, we're shooting for holiness and not happiness. Um, it doesn't mean that happiness and joy won't be a byproduct, right? If we're living the Christian life uh, in victory the way we're supposed to, there should be joy. But that's still not God's ultimate goal. And I think we get confused by that. But that is society's goal. And through postmodernism, if you heard Bob Cargo speak last week in the main, he talked about existentialism and postmodernism. And he was really hammering home these ideas that, that because of those things that have taken root... Um, Truth is relative, and there's no standard right now. So if I'm pursuing happiness, and that's my highest goal, and happiness is what I'm after, and I get to define that for me, right? Happiness is freedom. If I 
I get to choose. I want to be happy. So living with this person before we get married, that's okay because that makes me happy, right? That's pursuing that. If I choose to identify as a woman and that's what makes me happy, then that is the highest value in our society right now. So thinking about, about how that's going to play itself out, that is the message that's being proclaimed, right? Um, now, there, it is wrong there, when I say there's no standard because there is one thing that really sticks out. There is a standard, which is don't judge anybody else's truth. That is the ultimate thing, right? You cannot judge anyone else's truth, anyone else's standard. If they define happiness this way and we say something against that, that we have crossed the line there because for them, all truth claims are equally valid. Um, I heard on the news this last week, and this kind of just caught me off guard. So the, the British Medical Association came out and they said, you can no longer use the term expectant mother. Did you know that? So they, to all other things, they said, no longer use the term expectant mother. Why do you think that is? The whole mother thing, you know, you think, well, how is that an offensive term to say expectant mother? Um, it's offensive to a person who's physically a woman, but they identify as a man and they're pregnant. So if you're an expectant father because you identify as a man, but you're physically a woman and you're pregnant, then that's offensive. Okay, now this is England, Right. But Europe tends to go these ways a little bit before we do in the political correctness and so on. Uh, the quote is this from, from, the, from the article I read. We know that biological females are, pregnant, are the pregnant ones, but trans people are parents too, said Heather Ashton, a member of a transgender support group, in an interview with The Telegraph. Ashton continues, and this is a massive step forward to prevent discrimination against them. The fact that the terminology is changing can only be a positive thing for everyone who wants to be a parent and has the right to be a parent. Right? It can only be a positive thing if we move in this direction uh, because they have the right to be a parent. So I'm, I'm reading that, and that, that may seem like an extreme example to you, but this is the world that our kids are growing up in. And it's very different from the world that we grew up in. Okay, And that's why I'm saying... The world is speaking this value, happiness. You define your own reality. Truth is relative. And that is coming loud and clear all the time, all the time, all the time. And so how are we engaging that? How are we going against the flow? Um, Because honestly, Christianity is offensive. And it's offensive because of what I just said. We say that Christianity is true and it makes claims about life and it says that they're not just true for me, they're true for everybody. Okay? And so automatically, when you or your child is entering into the world and engaging in this arena, we're saying this isn't true just for me. This is true for everybody. And so we're kind of throwing, drawing a line in the sand. We're throwing the gauntlet down as we engage with these subjects. And so, you know, what I want to do now is kind of go to our tables, like I said, and let's spend some time discussing this. So kind of laid, some, some, laid, laid down some ideas for you to think about. There's some questions on your table that you can go through. And we're going to spend quite a bit of time, probably at least the next 20, 20 minutes or so, uh, having a conversation about some of these things. So 
Uh, let's spend a little bit of time right now going over these on your table, and uh, I'll come back up in a little bit. All right. All right. We don't want you to have too much fun, so we are going to pull you in here, and um, we do have to go to church eventually, so we, need to, we do need to finish talking about this. So I do think these questions, at least, I think if... If Cammie and I were sitting down to answer these, it takes way more than 20 minutes to go through these, right? I mean, there's, there's some good questions here, so feel free to take that or take a picture of it with your phone. And maybe on your next date with your spouse, you can sit down and, and talk about these questions. That's not a bad thing for you to do. And just, or, you know, if you're having your quiet time thinking about your kids, uh, you know, sit there and, and go through this and start thinking, hey, how... What, what is the answer to some of these questions? Let me ask you, um, let's look at like number three. Did you guys get to that, get that far? Is there a time? What are the things that are distracting you, if you want to share something from your table, that are keeping you from having these conversations with your kids? Nobody, anybody want to share something that you guys discussed? Yeah. Work is one, for sure. Everybody points it to, like, the phone and work and all that. But the other thing is all the stuff the kids have to do. They're just trying to get them through the homework and everything else where you don't have time to just have time. Yes. Let stuff evolve where it naturally happens because it's like schedule. Schedule is exhausting. Five and a half minutes because right there is where you're going to tie your shoelaces and pack your lunch. Right. So it went just the, just the busyness of... Getting logistics, right? I mean, I don't know how much time we spend in Parent you talking about logistics, but getting your kids to swim team and going from there to, you know, the, the tutoring or the violin lessons or, I mean, whatever you want to throw out there, right? It's just, it's never ending. It's just, and it's, it's going all the time and it can be exhausting. Yeah. Well, right, right. And I, and I will say when you have the time, Either you or your kids might be on the phone, right? I mean, that, that Facebook thing sucks you in. I don't know. Is there some vortex there? Time stops moving. I can stare at my phone and just start scrolling through. And I don't even care about a lot of the, the... I mean, some of those people I haven't seen in 20, 30 years, you know, from high school or whatever. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is, really. But, but wow, that's a cool cat video or something. You know, and you're just like... And you're just... Right? You get sucked into it. And you can spend like an hour... Just doing that, and your child is there doing the same thing. They're on Snapchat, catching up with what all their friends are doing, and you are not engaging, right? Because you're tired, and you just want to veg for a minute. And, you know, for me, it's Madden Mobile. I'm, you know, I'm trying to score touchdowns and, and, and just have some downtime, right? But that impedes us. Uh, so for sure, and, and we're busy and work and we're tired. Um, number four, when, when is your favorite place to talk or fa- your child's favorite time or place to talk with you. Do, do you have that with your kids? I mean, I think that's an interesting one to try to figure out. Is there, is there a set time and place? I mean, I think ideally, and I've, I've really struggled, I mean, just being honest, with uh, my son. I've got a freshman boy right now, and I've said, hey, on Fridays, once a month, or once, I'm going to take you to school, and we're going to go Chick-fil-A early, and we're going to, you know, and and we've done it like once this semester. You know, we keep thinking, oh, yeah, but this, oh, this Friday's not a good time. Uh, maybe next Friday. And then he forgets and I forget. And then, you know, it's two months go down the road and we haven't done it. And so if you can establish a regular time and place, that is great. Because, I mean, if you, 
if you kind of create that safe space, because we've, and I've mentioned this before, a lot of studies have shown that real conversation where you're not talking logistics or did you do your homework or whatever, that you, where you're talking about things that are real, okay, it's less than, it's about 30 minutes a week per child. That's awful. Like we're, we're not winning that battle. And if the world is speaking right, its values all the time through every advertisement, every TV show, every single thing that you watch, the world is saying loud and clear some of the things that I was talking about, right? Happiness, there's no truth, all those things. And we're only having a conversation for 30 minutes a week. That's what we're up against. So how can we, how can we get that time up, right? How can we do that? And a lot of it takes intentionality, okay, uh, for us to do that. So take these home. Again, I, I'm actually, I'm going to go talk about these with my wife on our next date because I think we need to investigate that a little bit more. Let me hit a few of these ground rules that, some things that Cammie and I were thinking of, and then, and then she's going to come up and share with you. But um, some things, ground rules for discussion, the first one, right, is just being available. Being available is not that easy for us. Um, how often do you take time in the moment, right? And we, we, and that means when I'm in the car and I'm running them someplace, do we turn off the radio, make them take the headphones out or put the phone down and talk? That is time that most of us have with our kids, right? It's car time. We don't take, take advantage of it. When they're playing a song on the radio that doesn't, uh, espouse your values, I mean, I know you all have the fish on all the time, most of you. But if you don't, when a song plays, do you talk about it? Do you turn it out down and go, you know, the lyrics of that song, what is, what is he really after? What is she really going for? How is that different from, because, right, we're the fish going the other direction. That's what we want our kids to be. Not the fish, literally, the radio station. But we are going a different direction. How are we doing that? Do we, the DVR has been the greatest invention for parenting in my, you know, for me. It's made me a much better husband, much better father. I used to yell and scream at my kids to go to bed and leave me alone because my show was coming on, you know. No, I'm not praying with you. I prayed with you last week, you know, and yell at them when they were little. And then the DVR came about, and life was like, oh, pause. This is amazing. But don't miss those opportunities with your kids when you're watching a TV show and something happens on the show. Because what we do, and we, I mean, maybe you don't do this. I do this. We, we like certain shows, and we know, because we're grown-ups, right, that we know what we believe and what we don't believe. So I can watch a show where maybe they're living together. And that part, I know I don't agree with it, but it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I, I still like the show. Okay, but do you pause and go, hey, you know, they're living together, and there's no consequences for that in this show. But why don't we do that? Why do we believe you can't live together? I mean, that is an important thing. Because if you watch shows and you just imbibe, right? You're just taking in media and never talking about it. It's programming them into this is what's normal. This is okay. This is fine. Oh, my parents watch that show and it's all about this. You see what I'm saying? Um, and it's, it's subtle, these things. So use that pause button on the DVR. Because that is engaging on these difficult topics when... They're not dealing with it or they're not thinking about it is hard. Like, it's harder to schedule a thing and say, hey, by the way, we're going to sit down and go get coffee together and talk about transgender or something. They're not, they don't want to do that. <laughs> That's weird. 
right? I mean, they're going to be like, I think I'm busy that day, Dad. You know, uh, they're not, I don't care when it is. They don't want to do that. But if you're seeing it on a TV show or there's an advertisement for the Grammys and Transparent just won the, the you know, best actor and you're like, what is going on with that? Maybe we should have, what do you think about that? That's a great way to start the conversation, right? Not let me tell you what I think about that because monologuing doesn't get us very far. You need to start asking them questions. Um, so pause the TV to dialogue with them. Take advantage when things are actually happening. Um, Cami and I went to a Dolly Parton concert, and our youngest daughter noticed we were sitting around. My, brother, my brother's a, a homosexual, and his, all of his friends were there, and everybody was there, and we actually got to go down. He works for Dolly, so we went down under the... And saw Dolly's clothes and, you know, and all this stuff. And it was, but it was the first time my 11-year-old was like, everyone here is different. Like, they're all dudes and they're all dressed really nice. And they're all, this is different. Okay? Like, it's the first time she was like, huh, some, one of these things is not like the other and it's us. Like, we're, the, we're this family, right? We're this family sitting with all these gay men. And they were really loving the clothes. And I was like, okay. Maybe we need to talk about this, right? And so it provided the opportunity. But to have that conversation with her before then, she wasn't really ready for it. But right then, she was asking questions. That is the time. Not right then. Not like, okay, well, here's what we believe. They're all wrong. You know, no, don't do that. But then afterwards, you take time. And my wife was able to have a discussion. Um, Kimmy was watching Leverage with our kids. It's a TV show we really like. And this is one of those things I'm talking about. Like, you love Leverage. They're all criminals, and they're doing bad things. Like, the good guys are the bad guys. Have you seen where Hollywood has done that? It's all the time. There's no black hat, white hat anymore, right? The, it, all the bad guys are the good guys, and the good guys are the bad guys. And there's bad in all the good and good in all the bad. And some of that's realistic and it's good. But, man, we need to point that out. Hey, by the way, they're all breaking the law. We don't do that. This is for entertainment. You know, unpack that a little bit, okay, when you're, when you're talking with your kids. Um, use question marks instead of periods. That's something, again, that is so helpful when talking to the kids. Don't, don't monologue, which I'm, I'm really bad about that. What, you know, what kind of questions do you want to ask? Ask questions like, hey, how do you think they've came, they came to that conclusion? Or um, what do you think is driving this behavior? You know, like, that's a good question. The why behind it. Oh, you know, why is this person seeking satisfaction like this? Why are they doing that, do you think? Ask those kind of questions uh, to get them to think. Um, Because it's not just about giving them the right answer. That's what we want to do. We want to come in and give them the right answer, but what's more important is that we teach them to think critically and to think biblically about these things. How do they have a biblical world in life view, and do they come to these conclusions themselves? How do we do that? Um, that is what is important as we unpack this. We, we have to also sometimes answer the question, why? We're going to spend some time over the next few weeks. Like next week, we're going to talk about sexuality. The week after that, we're going to talk about marijuana, okay? Because it's becoming legal everywhere. It's going to be legal in Georgia pretty soon. Is that going to be... What kind of conversation are you going to have with your kids about marijuana? Well, you shouldn't smoke marijuana. Well, it's legal. Why not? Have you thought through that? Like, how are you going to engage them in that? Or are you just going to sit with your kid while they smoke marijuana when they're 25? Are they just going to hang out with you smoking weed and say, well, Dad, it's the same as a beer? 
you know, how are we going to do that? So we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about sexuality. Um, but the why behind it, why does the Bible say these things? If you don't, if, I would say probably with a lot of these things, if you went through and said, what do you guys think? Is, is living together without being married wrong? Is having sex before you get married wrong? You know, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Like, they will give you the, the yes, no. You know, they, they probably know that, but they don't know why. They don't know why it's wrong. They don't know why it's unhealthy. They don't know why. That's what you need to uncover for yourself, and we're going to try to equip you to do that in some of these areas over the next few weeks, right? The why, because that's very important. Um, they're probably not going to tell you everything. Um, I remember the first time I was a youth pastor and one of the pastor's daughters of a church I worked at years ago, and somehow we, got, we were able to like see some of her chat stuff, you know, and you're like, whoa, didn't know that she was, that's how she was when she's not at church. Your kids are that way too. They say different things when you're not around. They behave differently. They think things that they're not sharing with you. That's okay. That's normal. We're not used to that, right? When they're little, that's one of the things that changes when they become teenagers. When they're little, we kind of tell them what to do and what to think. Hey, you're a Christian. Why? Because we're all Christians and this is just what you are. I mean, they grow up thinking, oh, we're all Christians. When they get older, they're like, am I a Christian? They start questioning things. They start questioning our morals. They start questioning the Bible. All of this is normal. But they also aren't going to tell you everything they're thinking. So don't be shocked when you find out that they don't necessarily agree with what you think. That's why we got to ask those questions, right? That's why we have to draw it out of them um, and, and, and pull it in, out of them. We have to earn the right to share. Um, you know, if you... If you think you have earned the right to share and you're talking and they aren't listening, then you haven't earned the right to share. And a lot of that is respect. How do you respect your kids? You know, do you talk at them or do you talk with them? If you give them respect, they will respect you and you can have that conversation. But respect is very important. And I, we, it's hard to do when they're little again. And as they become adults, we kind of are used to just kind of command and control, right? Do this because I said so and, and things like that. But when they get older and they start to have their own opinions, you have to start drawing them out. And that's one of the differences in youth ministry and parenting that's huge. Is like a youth worker, when we interact with your kid, we talk to them like adults. And that's why they respond differently to us. We're not adults. We don't have, they don't have all the baggage with us that they have with you, right? So it is different. And if you were my kid's D group leader, it'd be the same thing. You would, I have a harder time talking to my own kids than I do your kid. I can talk to your kid. They'll tell me all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. But... <laughs> Sometimes it's scary, but that's the way it works. It does work that way. So, but the respect is a huge thing because we, we often don't value or our kids don't feel valued when we do that. So these are just some, some things. And the reason we're going over these today is because over the next few weeks, as we talk about this, we want you to remember some of these things, you know, some of these rules in, in talking about these subjects with your kids. Um, you have to give your kids the freedom to make their own choices, and they're going to make their own choices anyway. So God has to inform their hearts of the truth, right? So there's a, there's a prayer component. There's a trust component. Our job is to share what we believe and why and pray for them and model for them, right? If it's a behavior thing, we need to make sure we're modeling what we're saying as well because they're watching us way more than they're listening to us. That is always true. Um, so don't be shocked 
when they make up their own mind and it doesn't necessarily agree with your, your worldview. Because it could happen. I, talked to, uh, I was talking to somebody not too long ago who has grown children now, and they're, and they're grieved. They're so grieved that their kids have all these opinions and different political views and all this stuff than they do. And, and you know, they start going, what did I do wrong? And they didn't, maybe they didn't do anything wrong. We don't control them. We don't own their brains. They are going to make up these decisions. And praying, modeling, talking, drawing out, asking why questions. I mean, all of these things are just a part of the puzzle. Okay? So let me pray for us. And Cammie's going to come because this is difficult. This is not easy stuff to do for sure. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we continue to talk about this over this month, we, we thank you for kids. We thank you for the ability to, to speak to them. And, Lord, help us to remember that they're yours um, that, that you have called us to a specific place to minister to them in a way that nobody else can. Uh, whether, Lord, whether they're adopted or whether they're our natural kids, whether we're a single parent or we're married or a blended family, all of these situations can be difficult. But, God, you have called us to minister to these children that you put in our care. And help us to do it with, uh, with wisdom. Help us to lead them with joy. Help us to draw them out um, to engage, to love them well, to respect them. Um, And most of all, God, help us to be that billboard for you, that we would be the chief dispensers of grace in our homes. Um, All these things we lift up and bring to you in Christ's name. Amen. Is this on? Okay. Um, Hi. I'm Cami Summers. I'm Jeff's wife. And um, if you're new to Parent You, part of what... I like to get up and share is just how um, you can talk about all these things idealistically, and yet when it kind of comes to your own household, it can be harder to live, right? Um, and so what I wanted to do is kind of get up and share some of the differences that it looks like in our house. And Jeff and I have been in youth ministry for 25 years. Um, we've I've been talking to teen girls for that long and um, started out, you know, not that much different than the teen girls, you know, that I was talking to. I wasn't that much older. And so I would sit across from them, and they would just, you know, pour out their heart, and it was so great. And I'm kind of an intense person, and so I would sit, and I would talk to them. And, and, you know, they would very openly share. And what was, I was so falsely confident coming into being the mother of a teenager because that had been my experience. And I was like, oh, this is going to be easy, Yeah. Um, I can remember the day I became invisible. (laughs) Um, I was leading a a chaperoning a field trip to my daughter's school, and we were on the field trip, and I was asking questions because that's what you do in youth ministry. You, you know, you just ask questions, and kids will just talk, 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 talk when you're a youth leader. And I was doing what I'd done for 10, 15 years. And these kids were looking at me like I was some kind of alien. Like, why are you asking me that? Like, what's your agenda? What do you want to know? And I, the light bulb went off and I was like, oh, I'm a parent now. <laughs> like, I can't, they're not responding the same way to these questions. And then that year I picked Tirza up from Goal Rush, which was called Goal Rush then. Now it's called the Rush Conference, but it was Goal Rush then. And, and you know, I don't even remember what the topic was, but I asked her some probing question about the topic, which I would have asked to any teenage girl that got in my car. It wasn't that I was 
particularly looking for an answer for my daughter. And she looked at me and she goes, well, that's private. (laughs) Too private for me? Like, I wiped your butt. Like... (laughs) I was so surprised at that response. And so I want to confess that this whole talking to teens thing isn't easy. (laughs) It's hard. And even what you thought you knew, you probably don't know because each kid is different. Like you'll figure it out with one and then the next one will be totally different. And so it's sanctifying. I will tell you that. But it's not easy. Um, If I'm honest... I don't want to use question marks. I don't know if you're like me, but I like to just direct. Do this. Clean the dishes. Clean your room. Period. Exclamation point. Even better. Question mark? Would you like to clean the dishes? No. Like, what, how do you turn everything into a question? So that's been kind of a puzzle for me is trying to figure out how to make my periods question marks. And it's it's doesn't come natural to me. Um, And I think that part of that is because I want to tell them what to think about these hard topics. I don't trust them to come up with the right answers. And if I'm really honest, I probably don't trust God to lead them to the truth. Um, I know we don't usually like to say these kinds of things at church, but Sometimes I don't know how my faith should intersect my practice. And I don't know what to think about events. Um, I've been rubbing up against a lot of the diversity, um, or the division, not diversity, the division in response to the presidential election and events happening. And these are Christians that are defriending each other and deleting comments. People I love. And so... When I'm looking at that, like, I'm like, I don't know how to direct my kids in these issues. Um, The times in which we live can be overwhelming. And when I don't know what to say, it's tempting to let them find their own answers. We have a joke at our house that you can Google anything. So (laughs) I'm like, just Google it. (laughs) Like, Google those questions because I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I hope you don't misunderstand this question, but do you ever feel like a failure as a parent? Like all of your defaults are wrong. Yeah, me too. Like it is so hard. And I feel like I have my hand on this like self-destruct button sometimes. And it's only the Holy Spirit holding it back because so many of my defaults are wrong. Um, Parenting is humbling. In many days, I wish that a real grown-up would show up at my house (laughs) and would tell us how to do things. Um, I can remember when my third child was having a tantrum and wanting the nanny to show up. What's the teen version of the nanny that will come in and tell you how to do it right? Um, I think really what it all does is the deepest longing of my heart, what I really want, what I really need is a Savior. You too, you know, in those failures. Um, it's not just eternally that we need a Savior. And you've heard me, if you've come to Parent you've heard me say that before. 
But it's in those moments when I want to hyper-engage and tell them the what to and the how for, you know. And it's in those other times when I want to completely withdraw and to run away into the hills and bury myself in it, binging Netflix <laughs> and disengage. Um, my teens see my brokenness. They know. I don't have all the answers, even though I want to pretend I do. They see beyond my bravado. And so, you know, as I cry out to the Lord and ask for his wisdom and direction and redemption, um, I hope they see that need for Jesus in me. I mean, you know, we're going to talk a lot about a, a lot of different hard topics. And one of the encouraging points to me is that none of this is a surprise to the Lord. Whatever your kids face, it's not that he's up in heaven wringing his hands wondering what to do about it. And I think as a parent, one of the sweetest things as I've walked this road with my oldest, who's now 18 and not grown yet for sure, but I have seen some change in her as her faith has become her own. And I've seen the Lord show up. And so I want to encourage you. I mean, in those dark days when I, we were getting in the car one day and, and I go, I don't think you like me. And she goes, no. And I went, okay, now I have to kill you because <laughs> I've done all this for you. And now you're telling me you don't like me. And that hurts my feelings. And so I'm back in, you know, seventh grade and have to kill you. Um, <laughs> you know. But now, on the other side of that, she's one of my very best friends, and I don't have the answers to all of the questions that she's asking, and I don't, I don't know, but God does, and I can point her to him. Um, she needs a Savior. I need a Savior, not just superficially in the, it would be nice to go to heaven kind of way. Um, but in the desperate, I can't make it through the day without his divine intervention, his redeeming grace, the intervention of the Holy Spirit, and his unfathomable mercy. That's what we have to offer our kids, you know. Um, and engaging and having relationship with them, I think, is key to that and pointing them to our own need for Jesus and being honest in it, you know. Um, there was a time when, if you guys were around, um, David McNeely is a pastor here, and his wife, Judith, was pregnant miraculously, and then they lost the baby. And I kind of went through a little bit of a faith crisis myself. I mean, not not like I didn't believe in God, but but just like, okay, God, how are you good in this? Like, the timing of it just seemed mean. And I can remember, Tirza was a teenager, and I can remember driving and going, you know, sometimes you just, like, look at God, and you're like, he just doesn't make sense. And I don't understand why he's doing. And she looked at me and she goes, well, he is God. <laughs> like that just solved the problem. And I was like, right, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was true. And I think that um, it has benefited my relationship with her that I have been able to share that with her. So to encourage you, um, let me pray for us. Dear God, this whole parenting thing is, it's hard, and like we talked about, we all feel like failures, and we need your redemption. We need you to show up in those conversations. We need you to show up when we're tired and we don't want to engage. We need you to show up when we 
want to monologue and tell them what to do and how to do it. And we need you to give us question marks um, in exchange for our periods. And so I just pray. I pray for every parent here, and I pray for the teens they represent, and I pray that we would begin each day on our knees before you and seeking you and um, learning to be dependent on you. Um, Because I know, Lord, from your word that Israel spent 40 years in a desert, not because you didn't know the way to the promised land, but because you were teaching them to depend on you and that you are their provider and what that relationship looks like. And so, Lord, I know that you can use these teen years in the lives of our children and in our own lives to teach us of your goodness and grace and mercy and provision. And so I just pray that you would open our eyes and tune our hearts and help us to engage with our kids in ways that point them to you that you would be glorified in the lives of our children, in our relationship with them, and in our families, that the world would see a difference in us that is attractive and appealing and draws them into a relationship with you. So we pray all these things in your name. Amen.